0: How we doing? Woo! Is it weird, like Sid, seeing yourself on the screen and then you're up here? You're, you're used to it now, you're right. Uh, well, hey, uh, those of you that were stuck around uh, last week to, uh, for the vote for the South Campus, we had a 97% approval rating, so we'll be selling Woo! South Campus and moving on other projects here and lots of stuff that the Lord wants to do, I believe. Yes. Amen. All right, got to get my readers out. My students like to make fun of me now that I wear wear readers. (laughs) Yeah, but then prime timers and the things at 9 o'clock in the morning, some of us still got to work. I mean, come on. Uh, Hope you guys have enjoyed the the series of John. Um, What's up, John? Um, But uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, we're just starting chapter three today. How many weeks? I mean, this is crazy. I don't know if you just go down these rabbit trails like I do, but, like, you could spend weeks and months on just one chapter, right? I mean, I, I, I told Mike earlier, I, on the word "parish," I went on a 45-minute tangent on the word "parish," and I'm not even using it in my sermon today, right? Um, these are the things that my wife probably goes, this is why it takes you so long to plan because you don't stay focused. I'm like, I can't help it, um, but I enjoy, I enjoy going down some of these, uh, these trails and just learning and getting some depth into this stuff. Um, I will say this, like as, as I've done this over the years, the more you study, the deeper you're going you're gonna to understand, right? And then w- certainly when you teach, there's another depth to that, right? Obviously, being a teacher my whole life, when you have to say something in front of people, you better make sure you have a good understanding of it, right? Some of you like to correct me if I get something wrong, but that's okay, um, but it's one of those things where you need, you need to do it on your own. You need, there needs to be a depth to diving into it because you're only going to get so much from here, right? Um, and so I don't know what that, that looks like for you, but I want to encourage you in that to go dive into the Word and see where it will take you. Um, it's actually pretty fun. It's actually pretty fun what you will start to learn and to uncover and go, man, I didn't even realize that And there's some, some of that stuff. Pastor Craig, just as we were sitting here, said something to him. He's like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, I'm going to use that. Uh, I don't know if I'll give him credit, but I'll use it. I won't tell you which part was his. <laughs> um, I want to read you a, a story, a true story of a, of a guy that was a um, president uh, of, a, of a well-known university, um, which had a theological school known for it. its extreme liberal theological positions. When the president was asked to speak to a group of local businessmen, he told them a story which he considered to be quite amusing. While the president was downtown, he passed a Salvation Army kettle and stopped and uh, put in a contribution. The elderly volunteer stood, uh, stood by, confronted the dignitary with this question, are you saved? He replied that he supposed that he was, But she pursued. She said, I mean, have you ever given your life fully to the Lord? It was at this point that the president said that he thought he should inform the persistent woman with his identity. He said, I am a president of such and such university, and as such, I am also a president of its school of theology. The lady gave that a few moments, thoughts, and then she replied, it doesn't matter wherever you've been or whoever you are, you can still be saved. The, the most, I think, most tragic part of that is the audience that he told it to thought it was funny too. He, he didn't actually say he was ever saved, but because he had a certain resume and looked a certain way, had a certain status that I guess he's just saved. The reality is for all of us to be saved, we don't have to have any type of certain status. The Lord will meet you right where you're at right now, right in this moment, right today, Right? And that's the beautiful, one of the beautiful things about the Lord. There is, no, there is no earning your way into heaven, right? But this president was a little bit off in his theology, I would think, right? And so why do I say that story? Because we're talking about Nicodemus today, right? Nicodemus has this interaction with Jesus. Uh, and there's all kinds of different views on was Nicodemus just curious? Was he coming to get Jesus? I don't know. There's a lot of different views on why Nicodemus was coming to talk to him. But we're going to dive into that today. We're going to unpack what was Jesus and Nicodemus. What was that like? And what is it for us that we've got to get from it? And so I hope this morning that you came willing to listen, willing to learn, right? Whatever may be going on, can you take a few moments and go, hey, you know what? I need to to push aside for a moment. I need to hear what the Holy Spirit's telling me today. And so we get into this, this conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus um, there's a parallel between the president and, and Nicodemus. Uh, it's a remarkable encounter, I believe, between Jesus and Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, there's three, really three main components or three parts to this. Uh, the first one is uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Um, have you guys seen The, guys have seen the Chosen? All right. You've seen that scene where Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus at night? Now, I love The Chosen. I think you should watch The Chosen. But I don't think you should watch the chosen if you don't read the scripture. Get them, man! Right? I'm not even. I'm trying to be difficult. I'm saying there's so much added into it. If the scripture is holy and true, and we're not supposed to add or take away, if you don't know the scripture and you watch some of this, you might have a wrong theology. Right? Again, I watch it. I think it's great. It should drive you to read the scripture or read it before you go and watch it. I, would prefer, I think you should do that. So now you're watching it with a little more critical eye and you're understanding. And, you can start, and I love it because they're adding their own kind of interpretation of what Nicodemus was doing, right? His motives, why he's doing it at night, we don't really know. We have some things, some context clues that we can, we can glean from. But when you watch something like The Chosen, dive into the Word. Dive into the Word and make it, make it come alive. And you, you've got the Scripture and then you go watch it and you're like... Wow. My wife and I are like, we haven't watched it in a while. We keep talking. We need to watch it. Maybe we'll do it tonight. Um, but we keep talking about, man, it makes stuff come alive even more, yeah, it right? And enhances. But again, also some of it, there's some stuff that's added in there, and you kind of got to go. Like, I'm not one of those crazy fundamentalists, like, you should never watch Chosen because it adds stuff on the Bible. Like, I, but I understand that perspective. And so I think we do need to be a, a little bit careful. But, but Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Jesus discusses the concept of being born again. You guys have heard born again before. I think it's one of those things that we actually don't talk about enough. We, we, do, we may say it in a different way, right? And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. We, we do say, hey, you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. Say, we don't really reference born again unnecessarily a whole lot. Uh, Jesus, then Jesus discusses some spiritual truths. And then we also, obviously, in this context, we have the famous verse of John 3.16. Right? And so if there's one verse that's out there more than any, it's probably that. Right? We see it everywhere on TV. I don't mean, I think in the old days, right, Pastor Craig, you'd know they had um, that guy that always carried the sign, right? you know? So hey, it's, it's my turn. He gives me trouble every week, right? <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's read together. Uh, Jesus teaches Nicodemus in uh, John three, starting in uh, verse one. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my sayings. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it passes. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Your Israel's teacher said, Jesus, you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and do not believe. Then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus, or sorry, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Amen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil Hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that may uh, so that may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Obviously, there's a lot uh, in that, and we'll again do our best to 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 kind of drudge through some of this. Um, But it's one of those things where we look at this context. And we're seeing Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is this guy that's supposed to understand what's happening. So if you remember from chapter 2, right, that, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, had this confrontation with Jesus in the temple, and they were, they were trying to get him, right? All, all throughout Scripture, we see everybody trying to get Jesus. Obviously, they never are in terms of their, their, their intellect, and they're trying to outdo him. Um, and so... Nicodemus, there must have been some level of curiosity, some level, I don't know what his real motive it was. Um, I think we, we, could, we can surely understand later in other parts of John that Nicodemus did come to some type of faith in Jesus because he was there helping Jesus when they went at the, at the cross after he had, had died. Um, but when we look at the, this, we, we see the stuff happening in, in verse two, where Jesus had this very public encounter with the Pharisees. And then in, in the first part of, of John three, it's a very private one. Right? Nicodemus wants this private nobody to see. Kind of, That's why, probably why he came at night. Um, and so we have this, this, this moment where Nicodemus is kind of questioning. Do any of us do that? Do we have moments in our life when it comes to our faith and our walk? Do we have questions? Are we questioning things? That's what Nicodemus is doing, I believe. And again, I don't know his, his true motives, but I knew he was a powerful guy. I knew he was well off. No, we had a lot of authority. Jesus was really challenging all of that. Some of, us, some of us don't want to give up what we have, our status that we have, even if we're in the wrong. So in verse one, said so there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, probably on the Sanhedrin ruling council. He was a man of high position and a lot of wealth. Nicodemus was a truly wealthy, powerful, influential, ruling elite. In other words, he was the very best Judaism had to offer. So I think it's important that we understand his status a little bit before we get into it, where he's coming from. I was just talking to somebody between services. If you've never taken the, something called strength finders, you should. It tells you kind of what your, what your strengths are, what kind of what you do well. My number one strength is context. Shouldn't surprise anybody because I teach history. Um, but I have, I have to know context or it doesn't make sense to me. Right? If you come up and tell me something, I'm going to ask you all these questions so I can kind of get a perspective of, oh, now here's how it fits together. Right? And you're going, yeah, that's me. Well, then context is probably one of your, your top strengths. But that, when I read this, I have to know this about Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? I got to understand who he's, what's he about. Okay. You guys see what goes on in my brain? Sometimes I just say it out loud. You don't want to be in there sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> um, so Nicodemus, uh, when he says rabbi, you know, he says, he, he says you know, no one else could perform it. So there is a level of, hey, what you're doing is is pretty amazing. Like, you, ha- you must be from God. You must be, so there's something more here. So I-, I probably lean towards Nicodemus really curious more than anything, right? That's probably where I lean. But I- again, I've read so many other things that a lot of people don't feel that way. And so it's those things you're like, all right, not, a- not an essential. So I'll-, I'll, let- I'll let my brains go on to something else. Um, but he's, he references in this kind of honor, this honorifics of calling him rabbi, calling him him teacher. And then he says uh, that you've come from God. Now, Nicodemus wouldn't have used come from God if he didn't believe it because it would have been blasphemy. So there's a, there's a level of, of respect that he comes to Jesus with, right? So I, I don't know if I believe that he came that I'm gonna get Jesus, right? He's, he's, he is giving. You know, some people do that. They set you up. They say some nice things to you just to kind of soften you a little bit and then they, you never experienced that? Yeah. Okay. So I don't I don't know if that's what was happening. I don't think so. Um, using when when in that in that first the first two it uses the word we clearly establishes Nicodemus as a representative of the Jewish authority. So when he's saying we he's coming as that representative of, of the Pharisees and in that in that ruling class. Um, some possible takeaways from that section uh, chapter or verses one and two that Nicodemus is coming as a humble person. He's coming as a curious person. Um, It could be that he came to challenge him. Again, I don't know. Let's keep moving. Let's go to verse 3. Jesus replied to Nicodemus when he's talking to him. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And I want I want to pause here for just a minute. Because I remember as a kid, I remember my, my parents and my dad talking about this idea of born again. And I remember my dad wrestling with it when I was in elementary. What am I going to be born again? I've been to church. I go to church. I've done this. right? It, it just, just like the president of the university, if you've not made a decision for Christ, that means you have not been born again. The only way you can inherit the kingdom of God is to be born again. Right? This isn't this isn't me saying this. This is scripture. This is what God's word says. So look, if you have not been born again, if you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. I know, I know some people like remember like the specific time and date and hour and second and like some of those weird people, right? Um, that they every little detail they they remember, right? And I, I remember the I remember how I remember what grade I was in. Right? I remember that I was in sixth grade. I was at camp. I remember the guy up front talking. I gave my life to Christ. I, remember, I still remember sitting on my parents' bed telling my mom that I accepted Christ, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. And it was a cool moment. I still remember it. Now, I'd like to tell you that I did this from there on out, but I didn't. <laughs> right? but, I, but I remember it. And so maybe your experience is you remember exactly where, or maybe you're like, I, don't, I, I remember a long time ago. But what I don't want to pass by is if you've actually never done it. If you've never actually said, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior and, for, and ask for your forgiveness of sins, today's that day. I want to take a moment before we get into this, right? Because when you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit becomes active, you're going to hear this stuff differently. So just do me a favor, just bow your heads real quick. Maybe this morning you've realized, you know what, I've gone to church. I've been in church my whole life, but I've not actually made my own personal commitment to say I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe that's not something you've done and you're going, I don't know that if I've, I've, I'm actually born again. Born again just, is just meaning accepting Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual rebirth. A spiritual birth. And so maybe this morning that's you. And so with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand? Okay. You guys just repeat this with, with me, everybody. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I accept you, I accept you. As, my as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of my sins, of my sins. and today, and today I, choose to you. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. Those of you that raise your hands, man, I'd love if you guys to come talk to us after service for a minute. It would be awesome just to connect with you. Um, But welcome to the family. So, again, we have to be born again. We just had that happen this morning. Pretty cool. All right, we can all go home. (laughs) Uh, Verse 4 says How can someone be born when they are old? Never mind. Um, Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb, right? So again, Nicodemus didn't get it. He doesn't fully understand. What do you mean born again? I can't be born in my mother's womb again. I'm already old, right? He's, he's, so again, is he, is he mocking him? Is he trying to say, is, or does he really not understand? Go study it yourself. I'm trying to find out. <laughs> Verse five says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. And I want to focus on the water piece just for a minute. Again, this is another one of those crazy rabbit holes. I, I don't know how much time I spent on water. I was shocked because I thought it was a pretty common understanding that it was more of a spiritual cleansing. But there are some people that actually believe that baptism equals salvation. I'm here to tell you I do not believe that, that water baptism equals salvation. And I, and I think of it because I think of the thief on the cross. Right? Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise. He didn't go get baptized first. I think you should all get baptized. I think you should all do that. But I don't think it's a prerequisite to be saved. Right? And so, but I read, I was just, I was kind of surprised. so I started reading and some of these names that pop up that I thought were very, and I'm like, wow, okay, this is interesting. But some guys, a lot of guys said in some of these commentaries that I used to believe this, now I believe this. And I thought that was an interesting, that was more common than what I read. And so I I don't know how much time I spent on that. (laughs) This is that, that old rabbit trail and you're like, ah, focus, get back on track. Right? But the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven is to be born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit must enter our lives. The only way to have a relationship with God is if one is born again. This means our old self dies and we are born again and completely a new person in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We aren't followers of God simply because our parents, neighbors, or friends are. Going to church isn't enough. Being born again is, the very, is a very personal language. Right. We need to make it a personal thing. This, this, this born again, this relationship should be a very personal experience with God. When we talk about water, water, it comes into this interesting piece. And some people say it's this, some people say it's that. Water, here's what I would say. Water refers to the purifying work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in our lives, if we are willing to repent and turn from our sin, Hebrews 10.22 alludes to this. Also, Matthew 3.11 tells us that John baptized with water for repentance, but the one later would with the Holy Spirit. Also, when Titus and Ephesians refer to the cleansing or washing of the believer. Historically, Jews at the time often used water as purification or cleansing. So when I say when I say but Jesus talks about water, it's a a spiritual thing. It's It's a cleansing. It's not something that you have to do in order to equal salvation. So water doesn't refer to baptism, but to the idea that baptism represents. That is representing repentance and cleansing. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to when he's talking to Nicodemus. And he talks about the flesh giving birth to flesh right, the spirit giving birth to the spirit, and then yet Nicodemus was surprised at what he was saying. When, when Jesus is questioning or he's, or he's saying things and he's acting surprised, right, it's really Jesus is a bit surprised that Nicodemus doesn't know some of these things. So what does that mean? If Nicodemus doesn't know some of these things, if he's, if he's like, I don't get it, I don't get it, but Jesus thinks he should know it, what does that tell you? It should tell you that what Nicodemus is learning and what they're teaching isn't accurate. Right? And those are the things that we should all think about. We should all question what I say up here, what Pastor Craig says up here. We should all go back and study and read and learn. I think about times when they didn't have the actual Bible, right? Where people actually had to, they taught the Bible. You had no access to, you have all the access to whatever you want. You have the internet, you can search things. There's no excuse really for us not to know whether what we're saying up here is truth or not. Right? But back, back in the good old days, right when you didn't, have, you didn't even have the Bible, only the guy that was preaching did. They, you, the congregation didn't. They had to take what, what that person said at face value. But Nicodemus and the Pharisees are teaching something that's not lining up with what God would say. And it keeps, he keeps, Jesus keeps kind of acting like, wow, how come you don't know this? Why didn't you? Uh, well, you don't understand this? Right? So there, it's, I don't, I'm sure Jesus knows because he's God, but I think that's causing Nicodemus to go, Oh, maybe I don't know something. Maybe, maybe, I am, maybe I am missing something by Jesus responding that way. Maybe I'm going to question what, what I'm teaching is accurate. Verse 8, it says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What do we see when we see the wind? What do we think about the wind? What does the wind equate to? That's a, that really it's an analogy of the Holy Spirit. Right? We don't we don't know where necessarily where it's gonna come. I, I don't know about you, but I've been in services, I've been different places in my life where I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. Right? But I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's times where I don't feel it and someone else does. <laughs> that actually gets me frustrated, if I'm honest. <laughs> what? Come on. Right, one time I was at a, uh, about a year ago, I'm at a coffee shop with my daughter. And we're in this coffee shop and we go and we're, we just sat down, just got our coffee, and she's like, I don't know, Dad, something's not right. I was like, You're not feeling good? Are you okay? I, I don't know. I-, I just don't feel like right. And so I'm like, So do we need to leave? She's like, yeah, we need to leave. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we'll leave. So we get our coffee and we walk out, we get in the car, and she's like, oh, man, I feel better. And I was like, huh? And so I said, "I said, what are you, what are you feeling? And she goes, I don't know, Dad, there's just something that didn't, didn't feel right in there. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's take time and let's pray about it for a second. And as we started praying, it, it, the Lord revealed to both of us that it was something happening spiritually inside that coffee shop. And being honest with you, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't catch it. My daughter caught it, and she didn't know exactly what it was. But we, we, so I said, do we need to go back in there and pray? Or what? And we both felt like, nope, it's not, that's not our, our domain there. Let's, let, let's leave that to whoever's running it. Well, if the Lord tells us to go back, then we'll go back. But at that time, we felt like, you know, we were just to leave and, and go somewhere else. And I was getting a sense of, of the Holy Spirit. I'm going, okay, so now, now I'm trying to be a little more attentive. Man, my daughter was in tune to something that I wasn't. I have plenty of other things I got over her, but that's one of them. And I welcome it. I mean, why not, right? This is awesome. This is great. I'm learning stuff from my kid. Um, so this week, right? This week, I, I just, I, I know every time I'm going to preach, there's something coming. The enemy's going to try to do something, right? Um, and so just, just different circumstance. And I, and I was teaching on, on Tuesday in the identity class, right? Uh, I don't know. Pastor Doug probably did that on purpose. He's probably like, I'm going to get Jason this week. Like, I'll have him teach Tuesday and I'll have him teach on Sunday. Um, uh, I, we both laughed. and like, how did that happen? I'm like, I don't even know. But anyway, it was great. The, the identity class was awesome. I've never seen a group of people, when I ask them to stop and to press into the Lord and start dealing with stuff, I've never seen a group of people press that hard into it. Like I'm, I'm literally like, oh, they're still going. It's like ten minutes. Like, but I'm gonna run out of time here because I'm on a time commitment. But they're pressing. Though I interrupt what God is doing right now, right? I mean that's what's happening. It was awesome to see that a bunch of people pressing in. But this week, I'm even. Yesterday, I'm at this coffee shop, and I'm. I kid you not. I'm I'm still. I'm actually still processing. Even as I'm staying, I'm still processing what was happening yesterday. Um, And so, I, I for about two hours, two hours, I'm going nowhere. Literally, I'm about the same verse over and over and over. I got worship music in. I'm reading the Bible. You would think that would be enough to put me in. So I start in the, in the hour and a half that I'm there. Uh, the first hour and a half, I'm, I'm going, okay, is this the enemy? Or is the Lord trying to get my attention on something? And, and, I, and I stopped, and I just like, so I opened up a new, a new document, and I, and I wrote these words, just these two, two words down, perseverance and resilience. And I felt like it was something the Lord was saying to me personally, like in that I wasn't giving up. I wasn't stopping. There was a level of perseverance and resilience. Um, And it it was cool because it made me think, I guess I really do trust God. Because in that moment, I wasn't giving up. I wasn't stopping. And some of you need to hear that this morning. That's why I'm stopping. That's why I'm pausing. This is a little bit off my notes, but I believe it's what the Lord, and I'll show you how I connect it in just a minute. But some of you, don't let the enemy get you. It's good. Don't let the things of your past stop you. Don't let the things prevent you from moving forward and doing what the Lord is asking you to do. Don't give up. Don't give up. I, I, know, I know two hours is, is not a lot of time, but it's a lot of time for me to get nowhere. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Rock and, roll. and maybe that's a lot of us, that's our, that's our life struggle. So Mike, I really believe those words are for you. I believe in this last season, that's been you in the midst of hard times and challenging times. And I'm not talking hours. I'm talking days and days and weeks and months and years of pressing and pushing through that your resilience and perseverance is shining through. And I feel like there's, the so Lord's so got good. something for you on the other side of that. Yes. Yes. And I, I get emotional because I had no idea why the Lord put that on my heart. And then I saw you this morning and he goes, that's why. And I, and, I, and I thought to myself, here I was complaining about two hours, and it touched somebody, and it was for somebody specific. So what's two hours if it's going to touch somebody, if it's going to help somebody, if it's going what's that? Right? Love you too, buddy. So Nicodemus, he's stuck in all his views and what's happening and what's swirling kind of around him. I don't have time to get into the whole idea of spirit, but you should when you take identity class, you get into some of that, the the pneuma or the pneumatology. But John will get into much more of that in other parts of of the book of John. Um, But here, just to know the word spirit is pneuma right, is the, is the same Greek word for wind, right? So that wind that, that Jesus is talking about in verse 8 is the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham said, you can see the effects of wind, but you cannot see the wind. Nicodemus is saying, again, how can this be in verse 9? I, I don't get it. I, all the stuff you're talking about, Jesus, I don't, I don't really get all of it. What are you talking about? And then Jesus comes back to him and says in verse 10, you're Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? That we that he's referring to, that we is Jesus and God saying we and you is plural, you is the Pharisees. You ever tried to tell somebody about something that's happened spiritually? Someone got healed. Something this happened to them. This create and they're like, "Wow, what are you talking about?" Like they may not ever say, "Oh, you're crazy. Or, I don't believe," but their body language tells you all you need to know. <laughs> What if I told you that after first service today we did a, a moment in church and we just prayed for healing a guy came up and said his foot was healed. Come on. Amen. There it is. Huh? You didn't see it. I didn't see it, but he testified to me about it. So do you believe it? Yes. There's a level of belief Jesus Christ a belief we can't see everything there is a level of faith that is required like when it says Jesus is the only one that that came down that was born like came from heaven to earth and he was born of a virgin Mary I was asking Mike during service like so like when he came from heaven did he like come down as like a little sperm (laughs) did he come down as like a little baby like what did he come down what, what was he like when he was in in Mary I don't know. Pastor Craig said to me, "This I'll give him credit, but this week he goes, Jesus was actually born again. Amen. Interesting, right? Interesting to think about. So when we think about Nicodemus and Jesus, and he's saying, look, how can I speak to you about these, these heavenly things, but you don't even understand these earthly things? Nicodemus still didn't truly understand Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. See, Jesus is the only human to descend to earth and the rest of us are created. We, we didn't exist before conception, but Jesus did. And we know that when we read the first verse of, of John. In the beginning was God, was the word, right? Was with God, right? Jesus was there. We know in other scriptures, Jesus was always and always has been and has always existed. Yet he took the form of a man. The son of man is actually referenced 43 different times in the New Testament. It shows his human nature and his role as a representative and savior of the human race. He is the son of God and the son of man. In verse 14 and 15, this is where I, another one of those spots where I spent some time diving in. It, led, it leads to um, the book of Numbers and getting into the story with Moses and the Israelites and the, and the staff and the, and the bronze serpent on the thing. You remember that story? Verse 14 of, of, of John 3, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Now again, lifting up. I want you to think about that for a moment. So Jesus is still alive when he's talking to Nicodemus. So just as the staff was lifted up, Jesus too must be lifted up. So Nicodemus would have known that story of Moses and the Israelites. So let me read it to you real quick. Um, In verse eight, it says, "'The Lord said to Moses, "'Make a snake and put it on a pole. "'Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live.'" So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked up at the bronze snake, he lived, right? And we know that symbol became synonymous with the symbol of medicine. I want to pause for just a second. In verse four, it says, but the people grew impatient of number, the book of Numbers, that same story. The people grew impatient, and so they started blaspheming God. They started turning on God, and God sent all these serpents, and people got got bit, and people were dying. And the only way to have life is to look up. The only way to truly live is to look up, to look up and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I I highlighted that word impatient, and this is just a, a side note for all of us. Do we become impatient with God sometimes? To become impatient with circumstances. You know, I, I'm still learning and I'm still growing, but I, I, was, I was talking to somebody about a relationship that wasn't working out and they were kind of bummed and I said, but you got God. I said, what? I said, do you trust God? Yeah. Well, then let's trust that that wasn't the right person for you. I, I know it's easier said than done. I was talking to a guy this morning, he, he's looking for a job and he doesn't know, you know, he lost this other job and he's just like, I don't know what's going on. He's got some plans, like nobody wants to lose a job, but what if God actually has a better job for you? Yeah. He was telling me that a job he interviewed for, that it's a, actually a pay raise and it's a better situation. But when the middle of that, in the middle of losing a job or in the middle of losing a relationship, we tend to focus on ourselves and our circumstances. And the reality is we got to look up we got to look up and see what God will do for us. And I'm talking to this guy this morning. I'm going, that's so exciting. I'm so excited you went through this. I'm not glad you went through this. But look what God is going to do on the other side of it. But the people, the Israelites, who just got led out of captivity out of Egypt, you would think they would have some context. Like, he got us out of that. Cool, we're going to trust him. Oh, no, they turn on him. (laughs) And I'm going, man, how am I like those guys? Nah, not me, I'd never be like them. <laughs> not you guys, of course. But they grew impatient. Can I challenge you to be like Mike and to persevere and to be resilient? Now i got Michael Jordan in my head. Uh, no, <laughs> I just, this is how my brain works, I'm sorry. It goes one thing and it dumps all over the place. So Jesus is saying this uh, the same way that, that they look, we got to look up, lift it up, that the, 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 the belief upon the bronze snake was lifted up so that they may look with belief upon the Son of Man. We've got to, we've got to look up to him. We've got to trust him. That's, that's our, our answer. Nicodemus, the he can't really know what this fully means, but in hindsight, we see that Jesus was lifted up on the cross, raised from the dead, and finally ascended to glory. This was the foreshadowing of the Messiah being lifted up on the cross for salvation of the world. And here comes the verse everybody knows. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when I think of eternal life, I think of not not ever dying, spending eternity with God. Right, and, that, and that's that's the that's the that's the perspective that I had, and 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 I started studying and reading. Eternal life is not just for the end. Eternal life is for now. Yeah. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Before I get to that part, I want to, I just want to say when we see this the scripture of John 3.16, uh, 3, he said we see that it's, God's, it's It's everything starts with God. For God. For God, for God, so he loved, so he loved us. For God so loved, he loved us. He loved us first. And he gave to us. He initiated the contact. God did. God did that for you. He initiated contact for us. We see his love. His love is a giving love. He so loved the world that he gave Can I say this to you true love is giving True love is giving It's an action God did that for us God cares about our eternal destiny But when I think about this eternal life in John 17:3 it says this is eternal life that they may know you The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have Sent. It says that they may know you. Eternal life is about knowing. It's not about something that comes at the end. It's something about knowing, knowing now. The, the life eternal then is not mere conscious or unending existence, but rather a life of acquaintance with God in Christ. Yeah. See, that that gave me a whole different perspective this week. Man, sometimes when I think of eternal life, I focus on the end as opposed to the the, the ongoing peace that can happen now. Jesus defined eternal life as knowing God experientially. See, in John 17, 3, there's a Greek word for for known. And what it means is uh, especially through personal experience. Remember, I just I just read it to you, and that says in, 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 that's known, right? That it's known in, in John seventeen three that they may know you. That that particular word is is in the Greek is saying especially through personal experience. Let that sink in for you a little a little bit. Eternal life is part of your earthly experience with God. Knowing God experientially requires knowing Jesus, who is the truth, as well as knowing and living the Word of God on a daily and lifelong basis. Have the worship team come up. This eternal life, then, is not mere conscious and unending existence, but a life of acquaintance with God in Christ. The key phrase is eternal life. John uses it more than any other author it's not just about the length of time, it's about the quality of life. Live your life with Jesus. And the verse 17 through 21 really is the believer versus the unbeliever. It's the light and the dark. It's those that, that, that um, I don't know about you, but have you ever had somebody that's, you know, doing something wrong and, well, at least we think it's wrong or we know it's wrong and you ask to come and meet. Hey, can we, especially as pastors, we'll say, hey, let's, let's have a conversation. That's what we say it all the time. Let's, let's get together and talk. I don't want to text. I'm not going to email. Let's just get together and talk. We offer it over and over and over again. And I know somebody that, that is in darkness won't meet because they're, they're, they don't want to see the light. They don't want the, their stuff to be revealed. They don't want it to come out. And so it talks about that in this, in this scripture about light and darkness and how people like the darkness and they like the sin and they don't want... I mean, there's a, there's a guy that, I don't know if he's still around much, but there's a guy, a homeless guy that, you know, you, he walks around and he's got, you know, some stuff going on, right? And we've asked him, hey, do you want to get free? He goes, no, I'm good. I, I, like, I like being in the darkness. Right? We try to tell him, like, no, there's freedom and, like, all well, the whole spiel. But, no, he likes the darkness, doesn't want the light. Right? But we know that, that, you know, darkness is death. Right? Jesus Christ is our, is our answer. And so as we, we're going we're gonna to press in for a minute into this, into this song. I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord this morning. I want, you, I want you to press, just like what I saw on Tuesday night. I don't want you to, to run out. I don't want you to leave, right? I want you to press in for a minute because I think a lot of times we get impatient and we're like, I got to go. I got things I got to do. And I think this moment, this, tonight, this morning is, hey, just sit with God for a few minutes. Why don't he be in such a hurry? Well, Pastor, you know what I got to do. I get some of you got stuff to do. But if you don't, why not take a moment? Look up. Let's lift him up. Let's commune with him right now. Let's press in with him for a few more minutes. So you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, whatever, whatever posture you want to take, but take it up with the Lord. Let's press in together.